June 1, 2020. It's a lot from Pedro's show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Uh, everybody, happy Monday, uh, 1st of June. We, we turn a page on another month. And uh, still in quarantine. In fact, now we're uh, the, the county here, Los Angeles, 6 to 6 curfew. And uh, so Brother Matt's at the Love Grotto. I'm a pleasure point a couple miles south. But I'm not totally man alone because of uh, those Estonian software engineers with their Skype invention. I got with me Evan Livson in Chattanooga. Hey, the night is young. Love is in the air. Well, hey, now. Yeah, welcome aboard, truly. Of course, we got to thank right away uh, Mike Begetta for the connect because I've been Absolutely. playing a lot. How many? Now, you're Chattanooga, dude. Son, most of, son of Baghdadi, as we call him in the uh, Fred Lane disheveled monkey biters. Yeah. Now, most of the people he connected me with is the town he's living in these days. Uh, Knoxville. Right. But you're not. You're in Chattanooga. But you joined him to help, yeah, for, uh, Reverend Fred Lane. I had him on the show via Mike Baghetta, too. And, uh, well, let, let's. Uh, I should tell people we start off with the blues to you from Jacques Cotrain and then uh, Satanized with Raise the Flaccid Horn. That's yeah. right. Still trying to raise that one up. Yeah, we have an expression here in Pedro for something that it ain't really happening. We, we say nano flaccid. Nano flaccid. Okay. <laughs> Not just flaccid, but nano flaccid. <laughs> like a Our, lilac dangling <laughs> in the morning dew. Like throwing a hot dog down the hallway, right? Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> Stick your dick in a glass of milk. Okay, your make earliest... It, make, make me hungry here. Yeah, your earliest musical recollection. Oh, uh, outside of the womb, uh, my aunt and uncle had a piano. I'd mess around on that a lot. Uh, okay, and where was this? They were up in they were up in Massachusetts. Um, ah, Mike Baghetta, like, right? He's Massachusetts. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, they were in Sudbury, just outside of Boston. He, I think he was from um, West, uh, West Mass. Okay, dig. Yeah. Because uh, I met his pop. We played uh, Iron Horse in uh -huh. uh, yeah, Northampton in uh, his pop game. Who was a yeah. guitar man, right? Pretty country out there. There's a lot of uh, psychedelic-minded people as well. Jay Mascus. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, who is kind of a – he's a bit of like a, a dead ringer for – for Mike Baghetta, no? <laughs> we, we got him on stage to do uh, Stooges Funhouse with us when we, that night I was telling you about Iron Horse. And he brought oh, his beautiful. son. And he helped his son, Rory, draw uh -huh. dicks on the bulkheads in the dressing room downstairs. Because uh -huh. that's what a father and son team is about, right? Right. And how to draw dicks. I mean, you can't have <laughs> a, a dressing room without dicks all over the bulkheads, right? <laughs> no, no, I think it's it's like an ancient rite of passage. This goes back to the it goes Byzantine along with Empire. monitors and uh, PA system and uh, you know, whiskey glasses. Uh, okay, so, so so you're in the pad there, and there's a, a piano. Did you end up? Yeah, you know, I think we later inherited the same upright piano, uh, but I banged around on that a bunch. Did, did they have you do lessons? Not until I was ten. Nine or ten, I think. No, how was experience? We've had all kinds of guests and all kinds of experiences, and it seems like the teacher is the main determiner. Yeah, the teacher was a drag, uh, heavy dandruff bo situation. Uh, Mr. Crumb, I think was his name. He was quite a crumb. It was a fitting name, like an uh, artist. <laughs> Our crumb. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I, I dig his stuff. He was from Philly as well, but he. Um, 
bum me out about music for about a year and it's different i was i was kind of forced to play the piano it wasn't by choice um and then it took about a year for the brain to rearrange and the puberty region to blossom into (laughs) its uh larval stage so then uh can i ask you this can i ask you this what was the first record you bought for yourself First for myself, I had an older brother, so I listened to a lot. I wasn't buying too much. I was listening to stuff. But that at he some had. point, at some point, you must have bought a record. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he turned me on to all this. Uh, no, I understand that. Music. That's what bro- a fucking brothers and sisters are for, you know. But I'm, I'm wondering, you personally went out right, and laid I'm out the fucking that coinage. That that led me into. I think the first thing that just like grab, like he had. He had all these Pink Floyd albums, but there was one that I just bought the one that he didn't have, which was, uh, what was it? It's like the second, second full length they did. What was that? Saucer um, Full of Secrets. Saucer Full of Secrets. I think which, Sid Barrett's only got one song on it. Yeah, it's like the last tune. It's pretty haunting. Jug, jug, uh, jug Damn Blues? Yeah, I think that's, that's... You know, I read the book uh, that... What's his name? Uh, Chapman... Uh, he sang for the Glaxo Babies, Chris Chapman, I think. And uh, he's, he's talking about that. They brought in like a Salvation Army band and shit. Right. And, uh, yeah. It's, sad sad book in, in a way. but Yeah, and it's like he's the lyrics. Oh, uh, so you read this book. Okay, because. No, I, no, I haven't read the book. Oh, because the idea is Sid was this crazy guy and shit. And, and he makes a good case that he wasn't. Rob Chapman, that was his name, Rob Chapman. Uh-huh. He wrote it. Check it out if you can uh, so, so you bought, so, and uh, what about the first gig you went to? That was different. Um, the first gig, my dad took me to, I don't remember where it was. It was a jazz club in D.C., um, and I think it was something, I think it was Stanley Turrentine. I'm not sure about that, but that was the first time I saw uh, Live music. anybody playing a, well, yeah, and particularly somebody playing the double bass. I was already playing, I think, electric bass i had started a few months earlier this is like when i was 12 or 13 yeah and then and then so immediately seeing that i had to i had to get my hands well, on let one. me ask you about school were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that no there wasn't a march i mean this so this is uh yeah seventh grade it was it was um there wasn't a marching band there was like a concert band and i think um a sort of like a big band of some of sorts um but I, yeah, I, I fucked with the big band. And what'd you play? And then, uh, yeah, I was playing, I was playing the upright. Nobody else was playing bass. Now what, so. what, yeah. That's why what led you to it because no one else was doing it. No, I, I was led to it myself. I, I didn't even know the instrument exists. I mean, I just thought it was a, a, a large Giant violin, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My brother said, Oh, you should play the bass because everybody plays guitar. And, and, uh, it was <laughs> kind of a practical, you know, he said, Oh, you don't, no, I no. There's a lot of a lot anyway. of great bass players came from that, Evan, like uh, Carol Kay and Joe Osborne. They're guitar guys, people, and yeah. there was lots of work because no one wanted to rock the fucking bass. Right? Yeah, it was pretty pragmatic of him to to Tony, realize Tony, that. Tony I mean, Mamoni told me that was a pretty Mimone, good idea. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I didn't I didn't have any realization of that, so I was thankful later that that and I just took to the instrument. I remember just hearing uh, from afar. You know, this, the larger sound waves would carry the bass would be the thing that that you would hear most fr- from a distance. But at close range, you know, it's the thing that people usually don't hear at all. 
So I thought that was an interesting thing, how it could be absorbed uh, more from far away, but but it, it wasn't what you saw at a surface or, or a close 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 range uh, view. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I I just I like the tactile feel of it, the sonority, everything attracted me. Did you to, uh, did you try bass guitar before stand up? Yeah, about three months before, and I continued playing both. I, I still do. Yeah, so uh, you did play it for a couple now. Before that, the only music you did was the piano, left hand, right. left hand, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I put them both in there. Yeah, but what I'm saying is the bass clef, you know. Right? Sure, yeah. yeah, so I could already read that. Sure, sure, sure. Right. And I asked about the, the marching band because like bones and the baritone horns and tubas and that shit, that's bass clef too. Big uh -huh. mouthpieces too, I heard it's easier to march with. <laughs> yeah, pockets. but then I, I escaped uh, with my mother to Philly, and the high school, it was like a charter school. So it was, you you know, people had like a major. Uh, you could be, you know, drama, instrumental music, vocal music, you know, visual art. So that was, there was no, there were no sports teams. Uh, it was just all. No, I ask about that sh shit, Evan, because some schools have just eliminated their arts programs. Like this is why Flea started his uh, conservatory of music in uh, Silver Lake because he went back to Fairfax where he played trumpet, learned, and okay. there was no program. Okay, so that's why well, I asked that because some people think it's kind of frivolous, the arts, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, times everything... like these. <laughs> Look, yeah, I'm going to play something here. Uh, hope is a lack of information. That's right. Okay. It's probably true. <laughs>
Sue, I'm behind you. You have an automatic transmission. And you're human. Sue. Carl, just jump. Never has nothing to do with now. Man. Earthquake. Rattlesnakes. Uh, the, uh, don't order anything you want to get high on in a frosted glass because of the tension. Sunflower seeds in a yellow toilet bowl in Lancaster. For I consciousness art, I saw the saw shop. Saw shop. People that have slow reactions should learn how to stand there, stomp their heel, and yodel. Sierra Moe. Burke for the cops. I have a list from here to the tree. And I have a lisp because I sat on a knee. I have a neon X on me. I have a neon hex for thee. The window art of Lancaster is neglect in the nth degree. The window art in Lancaster sits on your knee. The window art in Lancaster is Air Force brat. The art in the window of Lancaster is beyond this and that. The window art in Lancaster. And that's that. Pinamento of the put-up signpost. Put a pinamento of the neon on neon lunch box. Pinamento of the moment with horses fetlocks. Pinamento of the angel hair ghost of the carnival scowl skull pinamento of a lobster with a popcorn hull. When Lancaster plumps, there'll be a hay hurricane Nut cups 
in faded candy canes and cotton candy palomino fair horse manes. I'm telling you, man. Hell. Alfalfa. I can't understand. The bulge and uranium smile and the Palmdale bulge and the belt of alfalfa. sand buckle and the ravens chuckle and the still pink girdles without a rustle and the granite knuckle of Huckle Buckle. The man's worst friend gave me a picture. The man's best friend gave me a flea. Well, anyway, besides the point, he's been flat on his back for two rays. My hot hands gripping. Gripping for you. Reaching out. Flipping. To e occasionally giggy 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 giggy.
the nitty gritty of life I'll stand for you To be my wife Goodbye, baby Don't forget to write
uh, Satanized with hope is a lack of information. We were discussing off air. It came right. from a playwright. They borrowed this title, and I said, it's okay, because you can't copyright titles. Dear Hoof, brand new. I call on the Cap B fart after that with uh, some poetry. I saw uh, the I saw shop. Uh, strike ship, brand new. Strike slip, sorry. Brand new prods with John Talley Jones of the urinals. Toby's coming over tonight. A bilge pump from Leeds in England with me no light. Uh, K Salida, which is K from uh, Black Flag. Funny how things change. Super Session, Raymond Pettibones. Uh, band, ensemble. He's got a. He writes all the lyrics, but sometimes Ricky Spolder sings. In this case, Ricky doing Goodbye Baby. And then finally, uh, excerpt from Knesset Gallery, San Francisco by Jack Wright and Evan Lipson. So, what about the stuff, Evan, after school in the bedroom or the garage or the basement? You know, getting the bands with your buddies at school and stuff. Yeah, I, that started initially. There wasn't there wasn't uh, a great pool of players when I first started to to collaborate with. Um, but then when I moved to Philly and uh, yeah, in high school, that there was there was uh, those guys really charged things up. So I was starting to do that. Uh, that was more initially going into a jazz direction um, that was that was kind of what people were cutting their teeth on well uh, let me ask you this uh, were you guys already songwriting or, or were you trying to copy stuff off records like me and D boom both uh, yeah that was that was just starting to happen I guess I started writing um, maybe maybe around uh, 15 or something. Junior high, no high school, but the beginning of high school. Okay. Yeah. Now, I, I wanted to ask you this: What was your first first bass guitar? Uh, what was it? A piece of shit, Montoya okay. or something? It was like a short scale bass, um, kind of precision P bass style. Kind of high action. Uh, I don't remember. Because my first bass was a K, and this motherfucker yeah, was like, was you know. Cool. William Tell uh, with the bow and arrow kind of shit. You could stick your whole fucking arm in between the strings and the fretboard. Oh, you mean uh, the contrabass? Yeah. No, no. Uh, no. The... I'm talking about... Yeah, I did for a little while have a stand-up K. But this this electric bass was a K. It was just terrible action. Well, I, oh, I didn't know anything about these motherfuckers. I didn't know about uh, the neck, you know, the angle. You got to get there with the truss rod adjust and shit like that. You know. <laughs> yeah, there's this great line. Uh, I, I I hadn't read it, or I don't know where you said it, but I, I really, um, I've repeated it this, with this uh, few friends of mine. We really adore this line that apparently was attributed to you, where you said, um, just not, you know, knowing anything about it other than it had these four strings. And you said, oh, your, your thought with tuning was... Um, you just thought some people like them loose and some people like them tight. Yeah, well, you know, we would tune, but we would. Uh, there's a Creedence Clearwater revival song called "Down on the Corner," and we thought if you, you know, played "Down on the Corner" and it sounded right, you were in tune. We didn't know that your "Down on the Corner" had to be the other guy's. <laughs> yeah, some guys like them loose, some like them. We didn't relate it to pitch. Anyway, back to your story. What was your first amp? Uh, that was. That was a school instrument. 
I didn't have one of my own for a while. Um, well, how'd you practice with this band? They let they didn't care that uh, the school nobody else played it, so they let me take it home. Oh um, wow! Or I don't know if they let me. I just did it, and <laughs> <Okay>. then <laughs> okay. uh, and then I found a um, a king plywood sitting in the back of this music store. Um, for like what was that? It was like uh, eight hundred bucks. So that was a that was a good deal on that. That was a good plywood. Uh, that that did have some that built up some strength because it had it did have some high action, um, which was good. But um, you're talking about bass or amplifier? Oh, uh, th- th- this was a this was a bass. Okay, because I asked you about the amplifier. Oh, you did. <laughs> My butt. <laughs> no, don't uh, worry. Don't worry. Did this band, this first one you got together with your buddies, did they ever do a gig? Yeah, we did. I mean... What was that gig like, Evan? What was that first gig for you like? We played... Yeah, I didn't I didn't play in regular rock bands. I mean, this is... It's strange because that was... I was into that as a model, but it just wasn't... Uh, you know, the school, like I was saying, I went to... Uh, you know, jazz was, was strangely the, the thing people were into. I mean, it was jazz pro, like I said, it was a charter school. So it was like the, people came for that. Um, it was mostly a black school. So, was, you know, uh, black, black jazz musicians and we'd play gigs. That's kind of how I saw the Duchamp thing by accident. Cause we played a gig at the art museum. I think that was one, maybe the first one I played. And what was it uh, like? Was it scary? Nobody was there. I mean, they were just having drinks. Uh, you know what we it's call like, those? You know what we call those? Character, <laughs> Wall builders. Character builders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it built. It did something. Built. Built uh, a bridge to nowhere. But I got my own airbrush. I'm uh-huh. <laughs> with, the, no with, with the spiel. Okay. Yeah. So let, let me ask that. you then, Evan. Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, music is music, so I don't really care about the genre. Uh, just the idea of performing music in front of people. I want to know about that. that it was at an art gallery, and it was a mix of materials. Some of it was uh, original, some was cover. No, that was initially just playing standards. Okay. Um, okay. But the thing in that kind of gig, I, I mean, it's like um, there was a there was a not. A, I, I wouldn't call, call it directly a competitive atmosphere, but it was a feeling where we were pushing each other. And uh, it, I mean, it's. I think that's sort of a tradition in jazz. Is on the, you know the kind of cutting session nature, uh, which is kind of uh, terrible. You know, the song they usually use for that is Giant Steps, right? And, and John and, Coltrane, uh, yeah, but John Coltrane to me, just look at the pictures. You know, by the way, he has a, his first house he bought with his GI Bill money. It's on Thirty Third Street there in Philadelphia. I always take my band guys there. Yeah, and I got peace. A guy doing a renovation, there was a work crew there, and he, I didn't even ask for it, but he gave me a little piece of brick, and it's on the dash of my boat. But they Beautiful. use this, this compassionate, open man's music to, like, yeah, cut, put people down, killing floor. Mm-hmm. It's so opposite of that shit. And, <laughs> and, you know, what's yeah, really bad way, is... I, I kind of wish there was a return to that. I mean, it did it did excel. Uh, there's a There's obviously a dark aspect to that. Um, and it's it's kind of exclusionary. I mean, it's sort of the opposite of punk, right? And w- which is saying that uh, everyone can do this uh, at any level. You don't need any technical skill. Um, but 
you know, jazz and I guess classical music to, to and it's a different culture, but uh, also has a certain like the the entry point requires a certain uh, level of skill that's like undeniable. I think also in metal as well, right? Well, you know, I read the Quincy Troop book with Miles, and he's talking about Ornette making noise on that sax and shit. And then Captain Beefheart, right? He gets to be good friends with Ornette Coleman, and uh, he just blasted into it with, like, no training. And I mean, that's, <laughs> yeah, why, that's I mean, why I don't get into that genre stuff. I just think music. Right. Well, I think and there's different about, ways. There's different... About that you're because, talking about different traditions and different cultures of it. Yeah, okay. What, what I will say about that is I, I prefer that scenario much more to uh, the competition. I mean, there's always a level of competition for gigs and so forth, but um, the competition today, which is just a competition for attention and advertising, uh, everyone marketing themselves, I, I'd much prefer a situation in which people are competing at the level of uh, music or their instruments um, because I think uh, that tends to develop things much more than... <laughs> fucking around on Facebook, excuse my French, but yeah, um, <laughs> it, well, I'm, no, not, I'm not saying it's a perfect model, but... No, uh, we'll look, we're at the end of the first, we'll continue this, we're at the end of the first hour, what, Pedro show, June 1, 2020, special guest, Evan Lips, hold tight for hour two! June 1, 2020, it's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. Was war's, bist du so traurig? Dein Kind uns das. Und all unsere Lügen und Chaos. Wie kann das sein? Eine von uns ist nicht auf der Brücke. Aber ich weiß nicht wer bin ich weiß nicht warum. Und wenn ich dein Engelgesicht sehe, Ich 
Lying down. 
documentary about Fitzcarraldo. I find the documentaries to be way more interesting than the movies. Well, that movie there, uh, uh, yeah, the mother, they actually moved the boat. I think they just left the boat. I think there was three boats. Uh-huh. And it was like ten times bigger than the original. They, they made it <laughs> even more hell. Uh, some native people were killed. One yeah, guy, a, right? One guy saw uh, his leg off because he bit by a snake. He had to like yeah. saw his leg off with a chainsaw. Okay, uh, people, we start the second hour off with so low, so kind, mine shaft, few with antenna, the uh, extract, Birkenstock, Timothy Erie, flower waltz. There's a new world just waiting, uh, just opening for me by Imad Wasif, Black Moon Tape, Try to, and finally in out, mine shaft. So, what happens after uh, 
high school. You go to college? I did. Well, not immediately. Uh, well, where's your music journey taking you at this point? I was, uh, I probably did a lot of drugs and then <laughs> went to, yeah, well, I, initially I, um, I did have some collaborate. There was a guy in, in the high school, I should say, that had nothing to do with this. He wasn't in the music world. I mean, he made music, but uh, he wasn't uh, officially. And so he was doing a lot of electronic music. Uh, and he became like a very dear friend, uh, kind of the closest friend I had. Um, and uh, continued to have a relationship from those days. And so he, this guy was, yeah, turning, turning me on to uh, a lot of electronic music. Uh, that was his bag. And uh, this opened me up in a completely different direction. I think the two of us were also uh, like-minded in that we were interested in, in what was a, a more unconventional or what was a uh, disruption of normality. Um, although, you know, coming from maybe I had a little more of a formalized background or semi-formal and, uh, he was completely self-taught. Did you do a uh, recording? We did. We, we, we fucked around a little, but nothing that was, uh, officially released. I mean, he, he continued to produce music. He's, he's out there. His name's Joe Lentini. Um, but we, yeah, we did, we did collaborate later. We've done a few things. I'd like to do more with him, but that kind of led into, so you're, you played a, a pair of these mineshaft tracks, right. uh, which has kind of been my main thing, um, in Tennessee, or it's the thing that I've, I, I kind of ritually, uh, collaborate in terms of a collaboration, uh, something that I've, I've been doing. Uh, for a number of years with a fellow named uh, Evan Michael Hubbard. And uh, I want to play here. uh, I love pain, another mineshaft tune. And you know, I thought of when I saw that title, there was a Quincy, a TV show with Jack Klugman as a corner. And of course at the time, because 1977 or something. So there's like CPO shark. You had to have a punk episode. And so there's a punk and there's a band, I think they're called Pain or some shit, and they're singing some song. I love Pain. I dig Pain or something. Oh, yeah. No, I just saw this. Uh, I think okay. Sean Partridge put this up or something. Okay, let's play. It's amazing. Oh, my God. 
legendary even in hell.
I was never married, but when I was down in Rhode Island, I had Alice Baker as my partner. I wasn't grown up at the time, but I was the same size as a grown person, the same size as her. When I first saw her, she was bigger than me because I wasn't grown up at that time. Then I grew to be the same size as her.
brunette and the prettiest girl in the world. No girl in the world was as pretty as her. And if you'd look at her, you'd agree with me on that. For people show mine shaft with I love pain, we're re- reminiscing about some '70s bullshit television episodes. Uh, to have, wearing some uh, punk costume for an episode. <laughs> Senor Al, Senor Al from South London. After that, with Dead Man Walker, uh, Tripod Jimmy, Tom Herman from the Perubu, uh, that bald electrician, Peter Laffner. After that, with Prove It, a television cover at, at practice and then finally David Greenberger in Prime Lens with Alice Baker who's David Greenberger Greenberger is primarily known for something called the duplex planet that was his big stain on the world uh, starting in the late 70s it was it was a magazine or a zine I don't I don't know what he refers to it as uh, where he was working in a nursing home and he would interview the various residents of this assisted living center, but it wasn't the usual kind of condescending, um, uh, project of looking at these people as a historical time capsule and, uh, trying to capture their, you know, ancient wisdom. He was just having regular conversations or asking them, strange questions, you know, what do you like better, coffee or meat? And they'd have sometimes some really amusing replies, uh, sometimes kind of tragic. So from the zine, he started transferring that into collaborations with musicians uh, where the musicians would write the music. And uh, music. I should say also Greenberger used to play in a band called Men in Volts. So he came from music himself, so he has that sensibility. But, um, uh, yeah, so there's, there's some level uh, of collaboration, but usually the way it works is the musicians, at least in my case, uh, compose different pieces, almost like uh, different moods or rooms and feels and tempos. And then he selects a text from these conversations and he's reading. He's not doing voices or characters. It's a straight oration, uh, but it's basically him talking over over this music. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting. I, I referred to him as the, um, um, Ken Nordine of assisted living. Uh, for me <laughs> with Joe Frank. I, that rings a bell. Remind passed, me of who that is. He passed away a couple of years ago, but he, he would do these big spiels over music. Uh-huh. Like kind of mind movies. Yeah. These long, uh, it's a little he, bit he, like he, that, like a radio drama. Well, that's kind of like I, this, but the way he got his source, he would call up friends and shit and ask them stuff and get let them talk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but give them a, a keyword or something, and then from there they just go off on it. You know, sort of like I guess the way uh, who's that guy? Woody Allen, right? There's no script. You just okay. set people up and they start spieling. Right. Yeah. There's a. Uh, 
I mean, it's interesting because it's not it's not like a film score or something you would do the music. It's like kind of the last thing that's done. I, I was thinking he would offer the text first and then the music would be derived from that. But he's he's kind of got this ability to select the right thing. Um, and he also started just making up characters eventually as he's getting now he's you know, he's becoming an old man. Um, so it's like uh, uh, turning into one of his subjects. Um, but um, yeah, I, I was interested in it uh, at the level where I heard a, a recording. So the, a big thing that attracted me to moving to Chattanooga was um, a group called the Shaking Ray Levi's, uh, which they also had something called the Shaking Ray, excuse me, Shaking Ray Levi's Society. Uh, and they were presenting all kinds of far out stuff there since uh, 86. Uh, so they were the only thing I knew about that town other than that it was a fun word to type. And uh, I became uh, very close with them um, shortly upon arrival. And they had, they had worked with Greenberger since uh, late 90s or early aughts. And um, they had were recently doing a, a project when I was down there that kind of got more into the territory. A lot of the... the material he had done before the musicians usually kind of set up a vamp and then he just talks and it it's uh it's still interesting but i i really w was more into where it was going with them where they the the music was it was more like a interactive uh, radio drama um it was like another you, you know character in dialogue um with the spoken word so that's kind of where i tried to to push my contribution. Yeah. You know, you have this other project, Normal Love. How'd that come about? So that's when I moved back to Philly. I went to school in Baltimore for a couple of years. Um, okay. And uh, there was a crew of people, um, Alex Nagel, uh, guitar player, another guitar player named Amnon Friedland, uh drummer named Eli Litwin and uh, a violin player actually that I went to high school with that was, I was also very close with named uh, Carlos Santiago Jr. And uh, it was an interesting assemblage of like pretty different backgrounds amongst all five people, uh, but all the sort of uh, unifying ambition was ambitiousness itself. I mean, uh, just sort of a desire to, to push to the edge of our abilities um, in, in something that was, um, uh, you know, there, there's not much improvisation. It, it was pretty through composed music. Um, uh, but uh, I mean, some of it, yeah, pretty, very technical, but that wasn't the emphasis. It was really just, um, okay, we have a free practice space. Um, we all have some time. And, um, um, you know, there's, we've all put a lot, a lot into this shit. Let's see how far we can take it as a, as a, as a band collaborate, but it wasn't a, really a collaboration initially. It was like everyone wrote this music through composed, uh, and then, and then it was rehearsed and performed. I mean, it took like a year before we played any gigs, um, and obviously you recorded because they got a couple tracks here. 
Yeah, yeah. There was like a, a two full lengths and a seven inch. But yeah, the second it um, the second full length, the second record was um, was a, a a bit more of a unified aesthetic, shall we say? The first the first thing was like each individual bringing in pretty wildly different music. And uh, did you guys tour? Yeah, we toured a bit. Now, was this your first touring? Um, no. Uh, there was, well, St. Nice and Normal have emerged around the same time, and there's some shared personnel between those two units. But um, uh, there, was, there was a band I had in Baltimore that was the first thing I, I toured with. What were they called? It was called Power Lunch. And what was it like? Well, how did you find Torn? Um, it was the best of life and the worst of life all rolled into one. <laughs> <laughs> the Petri dish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, st- I think I still have, have some of the disease in me. <laughs> And antibodies. <laughs> but uh, it was enough. Yeah, it was enough to, uh, I mean, I, I continued to do this. So I realized uh, this, could be, this could be an interesting way to go. Sure, sure. And, and really to just, there isn't another, it's not like, um, I mean, there's past eras where people, there were gigs just far more abundant and, uh, and you could play all the time. And uh, really now the only way to play night after night and to to sort of bring bring the music to a level uh, that's worth a damn is to to go on the road and and also there's the aspect of um, hearing what people are doing in other places and and sort of measuring uh, your own abilities or your own your own music against uh, what others are doing. Um, some yardstick yeah <laughs> a little bit of that <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, i'm uh, curious about this baltimore band because you didn't give me any tracks from them do they record yeah there was some i i don't i don't even know if i have any of those anymore i mean they were, it was self-released um there were i think we just made burns like some cdrs if you remember oh, those. that's okay I, I was just curious because it's all part of your journey you know yeah, I, I'm not. Uh, it's not like music that I, I discount or anything. Um, it's uh, it, you know, it, it's like uh, clearly you know early works. It, it's it's stuff that uh, some of the ideas that were maybe like more crystallized and uh, articulated in a better in in some of these uh, these later bands that you mentioned. But um, but uh, it's. Yeah, it's still there. I, I think if, if you wanted to find it, it's it's probably up somewhere. Okay. <laughs> we come to the second hour. June 1, 2020 edition of Peter's spe- show. Special guest, Evan Lipson. Hold tight for hour three. June 1, 2020. It's the third hour of the Watt from Pedro's show. <laughs>
start off the third hour with Normal Love. The signal's coming from Pittsburgh, part one. Other side of Pennsylvania. Then the mm-hmm. Rootskies. Peace March to Barstow. And then part two of The Signal is coming from Pittsburgh, Normal Love. Uh, and then you, you know, we're going to play next some kind of a bridge. I, I think you put something together for me. A Reader Digest version of a Normal love tune, but I'm I'm curious. Uh, you come back and you do the couple albums with these guys. And then, what's next on the journey on the train ride? Well, uh, I I got heavily into so part of this. I'll, I'll just say like uh, 
the interest for me pretty early on uh, was in some kind of dis disruption of uh, normality. I mean, I'd always despised normality. And, I hate that uh, when, whenever I hear that word "normal," I really get upset. Uh huh. What are you? Yeah, sort of, because uh, people, it's like luck. Luck isn't just good. Luck can be bad, and, and it can happen at the same time. And normal, you know, what's 1932 Germany normal? You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Or they'll say, yeah. Yeah, I'd rather have a word like humane or decent. No, but they say normal. Uh-huh. Yeah, it just yeah. scares me. It just scares me. I don't know. It's, no, a, it's, uh, it's, it's almost a knee-jerk thing. I'm not even thinking. My body just reacts. Right. Yeah, I mean, but it's, it's you know, it's sort of become a fashionable thing. There's also, I mean, I think um, a response to that, which is a, is another kind of, maybe then it's not normal, it's a conventional thought, um, which I'm also pretty opposed to. There's things that, the thing is, there's a lot of ideas that have been around for a long time, and uh, they're usually pretty good. That's why they've been around. So I don't mean to say... <laughs> um, I'm interested in um, burning everything to the ground or anything like that. Um, but uh, one can examine the social order from any degree of distance and see that uh, there's something wrong. Yeah. And that, and you can imagine that things could be different or things could be more interesting or more improved or improved in some manner. And, um, I think that's kind of what I was what I was after. Uh, but I, um, I, I also I mean, I should say a big practice uh, that I became interested in um, around the yeah early, I guess, in high school, there were some some figures in Philly uh, playing free, uh, not necessarily from uh, a tradition of jazz or any other idiom. Um, I mean, it tends to have that background from free jazz, um, but three players in particular that were all very different. Um, uh, Jack Wright, primarily, um, alto and soprano saxophonist. Um, Toshimaki Hara, who's a percussionist, and um, a man named uh, Charles Cohen, who passed away a couple of years ago, who was kind of like the master of a um, uh, an analog synthesizer known as the Buchla Music Easel. Um, but they were kind of these three figures that, um, I, I was, uh, I wouldn't necessarily, maybe it started out as a sort of mentorship, but then, uh, evolved into, into real friendships. Um, we were peers. I want to play this, uh, other normal love. <laughs> Speaking of the word normal. <laughs>
nothing. Like seeing a little kid's face. Yeah, there's nothing like seeing the look on a little kid's face. when they are first exposed to the undying, undeniably brilliant and empowering physics and engineering on gloriously aquatic display within the finely tuned structure of a fully loaded common plastic squirt gun. Yeah! and engineering on gloriously aquatic display on gloriously aquatic display on gloriously aquatic display 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 within the finely tuned structure yeah the finely tuned structure the finely tuned structure the finely tuned structure the tiny tuned structure the tiny tuned structure the finely tuned structure the finely tuned structure the finely tuned finely tuned s t r u c t u r e
Watch for Pedro Show last music for this edition. I heard you could see Baltimore from there. Or Baltimore. Yeah. <laughs> abridged, abridged. Normal love. Baltimore. And then yeah. uh, Midnight Bomber with Bombs at Midnight. Tune called Genesis. Big tune. Here's some Knoxville stuff. Om Foo, Old Man Fuck You with Squirt Gun. Bark with uh, Revolution. Hashtag None. El Trend Phantasm. Part 3 of 5. Alvaro. Domine and Henry Kaiser. Henry spends a lot of time in Antarctica, skin diving for work. Finally, Splinter from the Hiswig, which is Cat Hernandez and Evan Libson. So, what's next for you? Well, first, let's tell people how can they find you on the internet. They can't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, Solved. <laughs> Solved. <laughs> right. I, I mean, yeah, stay away. Uh, I'm just, I don't want you to find me, please. Uh, no, I have. I was um, talking more about your music expression, really, not there, personal. There's the, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking this social distancing thing seriously, where it's like to the level of, uh, yeah, I, I don't need. You know, let's 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 cut out the uh, social media distancing, uh, anything online. Yeah, that'd be good. But um, I, there's um, there's a website that uh, I've mentioned, Jack Wright. Uh, springgardenmusic.com he's got a page for me on there okay and what's and, next for uh, you music wise what, what, what's up ahead well uh, since the future of live music is essentially non-existent and the po world is postponed, postponed. flames <laughs> yeah the future is cancelled no postponed not... postponed <laughs> if you insist um, I do because I've been doing this 40 years and we'll find mm -hmm. a way. We'll find a way. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm interested in, um, I mean, the shift has been a lot of people immediately embraced this kind of live streaming as a, as a, as a, I'm not saying I'm opposed to it, but uh, they, it was like the assumption was, was that this could be a, a proper substitute and it's, it's really not. Um, but uh, I, I'm interested in what might occur as, as a kind of like a period of atrophy um, like there's something where John Cage was talking about, uh, how, you know, he enjoyed Beethoven, but he thought that people should put it away for 50 years. And then after 50 years, you can bring it back and, you know, you can really hear it again. Um, so I think there's an opportunity, uh, where it's okay to, I mean, this is a rare once I mean, in what, a lifetime. Evan, what, you, what you're saying is you're not making any music right now. No, I am. <laughs> I, I'm actually, this is the thing. I mean, here we are thinking we're at the height of our creativity. This, this virus comes along, and and uh, now this this uh, explosion after after many several months of containment of uh, riots in the street. Um, where this we talked about a disruption of normality. I mean, this is it. This is really happening. And uh, we got, we got, went along before thinking we're we're at the height of our powers, and and. We had no idea that there's an inspiration from this kind of disruption for those that are attuned to that, uh, that can go beyond anything we imagine. I, I mean, uh, yeah, no, I've been really active, really inspired. That's great. And, uh, working a lot, but it's not music. So that now the, the idea for me is uh, it's not gearing the music for any limitation of live performance. So it's uh, really boundless in, in its in sort of the conception of, of uh, just recording and and not not having a concern of of uh, how how it would be staged. Okay. Uh, 
so that's been really interesting. But that's mostly uh, that's uh, yeah, continuing with Mineshaft. Okay, look, we've run out of time. I'm so sorry. All right, <laughs> it's been a huge honor. Oh, on the show and talk about yeah, these these I, ideas. Talking about these ideas, I think, is important. So I'm I'm very grateful to you, Evan. Truly, Mike. And, uh, Mike, I've been uh, you know your work has been a, a deep inspiration for me for a long time. I'm really looking forward to the uh, Desolation Center film that's coming out this month. Right? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. It's been a June 1, 2020 edition of Walk for Pedro Show. People, keep your powder right.